Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. So this is our final week meeting here. Not ever, like we'll have groups and worship nights and things here, and but dinner. and dinners and all those kind of good things. But in t- this this Sunday, this is the final one right now. So next Sunday is our first week in a new space. And like all of you have painted across your faces right now, there's mixed feelings, I think, about that. Because this has been really special, hasn't it? Like meeting in this space, um, hanging out in our home. Like there's something really wonderful about and and very biblical about gathering in homes. Um, But then also like I think this is week 11. So we've we've been meeting for just shy of three months. Like it worked. Like we had this, Jen and I came to Toowoomba with this idea of planting a vineyard church, you know, the city of churches do we really need another one apparently yes we do because we have been gathering in our home we've invited you to come and somehow you guys have all come along and caught the vision and i think we're a fascinating group because um you know the natural expectation for jen and i is that we would just gather lots of other young families and yet that's not what's happened. We actually have we have every pretty much every age and stage here represented, which is unusual. But what a gift, right? What a gift to have every age and stage and different life walks represented. I'm so grateful for that. Um, something else I find fascinating is um, though many of us are, you know, Toowoomba locals, um, a lot of a lot of us have actually come to Toowoomba. And it's almost like we've been sent. Yes. You know, at all at all different times, it's like God's been kind of gradually doing this this work of kind of bringing people up here, ready for what He's going to do with this little church. <laughs> many of many of us from the north or northwest of Sydney, which I just think is bizarre and kind of amazing. But I I really believe, and I'm including the people who are away today. I really believe that every single one of us is here for a reason. That if you're here, that if you're you've been part of this little gathering then you there's something that you bring that no one else is able to bring every single one of you and god has brought you here for a reason and it's really good to have you and so what i think we have sitting here right now is a team the a team a team the a team thank you ed sheeran i mean jen um what we have here is is a team you know when we first started looking at church planting and reading and talking to people who've done it before. The thing that everyone says is team, 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 team. And it's really hard to do when you're moving 10 hours away to, to bring a team with you. And we somehow managed to bring Laura and then Laura brought some others. <laughs> so, you know, like we thought we'd have a very little team, but you know, what we have here right now is a church planter's dream to have it like a group like you and you know whether you whether you want to call yourself part of the team or not we're not going to put that on you but it kind of feels like god has brought together a team for a purpose and so we're in this kind of really exciting moment and so i want to go back now 11 weeks and i want to open up the the passage that we read to you guys 11 weeks ago Um, and i just want to see how it sounds a little bit different 
uh, to how it did before. Now, I'm not trying to indent my notes. I'm trying to re read the scriptures. So, uh, Matthew 11, starting from verse 28. We're just going to read three verses, nice and simple. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you want a full kind of like breakdown of the passage, have a listen to the first podcast we put up because um, that's in there. But I wonder if that passage could be, could possibly be a reality for church. Now, I don't know what your experience of church is. I don't know what it's been like for you in the past, but my experience of church hasn't necessarily usually been easy and light. Um, it hasn't been a place of rest. Uh, I haven't always experienced rest for my soul. But the question that we want to dare to ask is, could we actually have a church where you find rest for your soul, where your your soul is nourished, where you we learn to walk together at Jesus' pace, not at the pace that we think we have to walk to have effective ministries, but what if we could actually just walk at Jesus' pace, learn to do life His way together and see what happens? So what, is, what does that look like practically? 11 weeks ago, we said, we have no idea. Let's work it out together. But as we've, as we, and we still don't totally know what that's going to look like long term, but we have, we, we've, I think we've, Jen and I have learned from all of you in the last 11 weeks. And I think we're starting to put together a picture of what that might actually look like a little bit more. And to, to put it very, very bluntly, I think it just means that church needs to be very simple. Um, I had this conversation with Glenn last week um, about his work um, at Heritage. And one of the things that they're doing, which is really interesting, is that they've realized that that when they try to serve everyone, like when they try to, like, you know, cater for every single person and context, they actually end up serving no one. And that by by recognizing that there are groups of people that they 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 can serve really, really well, they can actually be more effective and they don't have to work as hard. And and it'll do better, you know. Like it's it's this converse, this concept of of doing things a few things well. Um, and I had this thought last night as I was I was finishing putting this together. Uh, it takes energy to do lots of things, but it takes courage to do a few things. You know, it actually it actually takes courage to to do less, um, and it's counterintuitive to what the world would suggest. Um, but I think it might be what God's asking us to do. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this week, um, a guy called Steve Nicholson, who's a vineyard pastor over in the US, who's very smart. He has good thoughts. Um, and he has this analogy. He talks about rowing versus sailing. Um, he says, when, when you're doing ministries for church, some of them are like rowing. You know, they move forward, but you have to push them every step of the way. You know, the, the boat only moves forward. The ministry only moves forward and continues to move forward by physical force. 
The alternative is you can have a ministry that's a bit like sailing, where you recognize what where God's already going. Like you, you catch, you kind of catch the wind, and it propels you forward. And all you have to do is just put up the sail, and God does the hard work. And so for us, I think a lot of that means being very attentive altogether, being very attentive to what God is already doing, and jumping on that, so that we don't always have to push the boat forward on our own. Because that's where we get tired. That's where we get burned out. Now, to be clear, sometimes you have to get in the water and you actually have to work it out, right? Um, but that's okay because uh, that's part of the fun. Uh, as I was praying for us this week, um, I, I recognized that doing church in this simple way, it comes with a cost. It might seem really uh, like, oh, great, well, this is going to be very easy and fun. But there is a cost. Uh, and there's a word that I feel like the Lord gave me, which is one of the funnier words that I feel like God's given me over time. Uh, but it's a word that I think that we need to keep in mind as we move forward with church. And the word is this. No. <laughs> the word no. Um, you know, like like I was talking about, um, you know, with Glenn at, at Heritage Bank, like, if you don't want to run around doing absolutely everything, sometimes you have to say no. And I do want to actually mentally prepare us that there are going to be times where we're going to have to say no. Um, there was a, a podcast that Mandy sent me a few years ago. Um, and the premise of the podcast was really interesting. It was this a marketing guy who was in, interviewing the pastor of a church. Um, and what this they'd gone through this experience where someone had come to this church and they said, we want to give you a million dollars to start a women's shelter in our town. And they thought about it, they took it to their board and they said no. And that seems like a crazy decision, right? Like, first of all, what an excellent cause. And secondly, what an enormous amount of money for a church to get for anything. And yet they were able to say no. And the reason they said no isn't because it wasn't a good idea, because it was. The reason they said no is that they recognized that it they weren't the people to do that. They were actually so... Um, so focused and so aware of their vision that they were able to take an incredible offer and they were able to say no because they recognized that if, if it went to someone else, they would actually do it better. Someone who, who really was aligned and prepared for that because they knew what God was doing in their church and they knew that they needed to, to focus on the thing that God had asked them to do. There's a big difference between a good idea and a God idea. And so it's being aware of that. There's another great quote that um, same podcast from... Uh, that I talked about before with Steve Nicholson, but a different interview. Um, uh, this guy uh, whose name, name, first name's Todd, I can't remember what his last name is. He said, um, leadership is the art of letting people down at the fastest rate they can manage. <laughs> I thought that was kind of sweet. So hopefully we don't have to do too much letting you down, but I do just want to prepare us that part of the cost of doing church very simply is is needing to be very careful about the things that we decide to take on. The other thing is that there's also doing church in a very simple way. There's also a risk that we could unfortunately get very comfortable. We live in a society um, that one of the sort of founding principles of Western society in the 21st century is this idea of consumerism. So I work in marketing, so I know this very well. The way marketing fundamentally works is that um, it, it, it makes consumers very powerful. If you have a bit of money to spend, then there are hundreds or thousands of companies who are all competing for that for that money, and so their their job is to make uh, that as like make their appeal as powerful as possible, so that you choose to spend your money with them. And 
This, I mean, and that makes sense, right? Like, you know, if if you have money, then you need to you, you get to decide how to spend it, and so you you become quite powerful in that sense. And the problem is, like, and that's fine in the marketing world. Like, you know, you are very powerful. You should decide carefully where you spend your money. But when we bring that mentality into church, we it it kind of poisons it a little bit when when church becomes about satisfying my personal need to feel nice or feel spiritually fulfilled or to have nice services that have the kind of worship music that I like and preaching that makes me feel good. Um, you know, when we bring that attitude, when we treat a service as a, a, a literal service, we actually run into problems. And if we're doing church very simply, if we're not asking lots and lots of people, we run into this risk that actually we might accidentally fall into that trap of the consumer-oriented church, which we really don't want to do. And I think the, the, the key distinction we have to make so that we don't fall into that trap is we need to recognize that serving the kingdom is not the same as serving the church. Mm-hmm. Serving the kingdom is not the same as serving the church. Now, those two things do overlap. You know, serving the church is, is part of the way. Helping put on church and run ministries, that's part of the way that we serve God and his kingdom, but it's not the whole thing. And if we, and I think you can fall into one of two extremes, can't you? You can go, well, I'm just going to put all my energy into church, running church ministries. I'm going to do church stuff five nights a week, um, you know, and, and spend all my time and give all my money to church. You know, that's, then you're not going to have anything left to invest in the kingdom out, you know, outside of a Sunday. On the flip side, I think you can actually go, well, it's not about serving the church. And so you just, you just kind of stop. And then it ends up being a small group of people who do all the work, and that's not what we want either. So I think there's actually a middle ground that we can find. Um, but the thing we always need to be conscious of is, you know, even if even if church, we, we want to do church in a way that that gives us rest, that nourishes our soul, but we don't want to ever fall into the trap of thinking that it's all about making us feel nice. And I think that this model of church, aside from just being the thing that God is asking us to do, I think it's something that's really needed in this particular cultural moment. You know, as we're coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, as we're working out what, you know, like we, it, it would be easy to miss how significant this time is and how different the world is to what it was mm-hmm. five years ago. And I, I can't pretend to have the answers to that, but I think that slowing things down and simplifying things is one of the best things we could do and i think it's one of the things the church needs it's so important so where to from here now we talked about this a little bit um just before but i want to give us a bit of a roadmap for for where things are going to go in the short kind of mid and long term so next sunday we are going to meet at laurel street which is going to be lots of fun. Uh, we can't wait. To, I wanted to get a bunch of photos and put them up on the screen so we could kind of show you, but I, I forgot. And so uh, we don't have those photos, but it's going to be like, it's it's going to be wonderful. It's, you know, it's the raw office. It's it's really, it's a bit rustic, let's say that in some ways, um, you know, like it's an old, it's an old warehouse space. So there's, you know, lots of, um, you know, a bit of paint coming off the walls here and there. Like it's, um, you know, unpolished timber floors, but it's just absolutely perfect. So we're really excited to meet there together. You know, we've got a, a PA coming up all the way up here from Sydney. So we have sound staff. We're, you know, doing all of these things. We're just really excited to meet there. Um, we are going to continue to meet at Laurel Street for 
four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. We're just going to kind of feel it out. We're going to kind of work out all the things we didn't do right the first week and try and tweak them just so we get the get the process of doing church in that space down and, and doing church outside of a home down. And when we feel like we're ready, we're going to have a public launch, which is the, the big hurrah. It's a great way to kind of build a bit of momentum. It's a great way to invite people to come in and visit us and check out what we're doing. So we're going to have like a little... Um, public launch. Now, the amount of time we have in that space is actually limited. So Raw's moving office uh, at some point towards the middle of the year. So we're not actually in that Laurel Street space forever because Raw is making the big move next door. (laughs) Um, And so at that point, um, we'll we'll see how things are going. We might choose to move next door with them. Um, It's got more parking. It's probably a larger space. So hopefully we can grow out of the Laurel Street, 6th Laurel Street, and maybe move to 10 Laurel Street, but maybe another option will be better. So we're just, we're holding that lightly at this point. So so that's kind of like the the midterm, like in a few months time, uh, we'll be assessing but we already have one option which is really good which is nice one of the first ministries that we're thinking of starting uh, we recognize how important small groups are in the life of a church and so we're thinking about that now we we're working we've been thinking a bit about how can we do small groups in a way um that's potentially a bit different um that is the what were the two words that we had we had in a way that's very accessible and in a way that's very invitational so they're the two words, right, Jen? I'm pretty sure I was on a soapbox, so... Yeah, Jen was having a soapbox moment. <laughs> and I kept saying to you. Yeah. So, what, like, so we recognise that small groups are so important, but we think that there are ways that we can do them that make it easy to bring people in um, into, into a small group and a way that they, they almost become a little bit missional as well. So what's this space? We're still thinking about them. If you have ideas for how we can do small groups, let us know because that's ideas vary in formation. But... It's, it's on the cards for the, the not-too-distant future. And then long-term, we don't necessarily... Ha- Jen and I don't have a, a grand plan. Like We don't have a, a five-year plan of here's what church is going to look like at that time because we want to figure that stuff out together. Like That's our heart. But one thing, one idea that we do have, something we really like is... Right, you know, there's kind of like a um, almost a default roadmap for a church, right? Like you kind of start gathering in a home, you move to a public space, and then the dream, you know, you've made it as a church when you buy your own facility. And I think that's a great strategy. Like I'm not knocking that at all. But what if what if we could kind of flip it around a little bit? Because one of the things that's beautiful about meeting in a public space is that it's a lot less threatening to invite people into. You know, when you're not, when it's not like, oh, come to our church building, when it's like, hey, we're meeting in a public school or we're meeting at this public hall. Or meeting in a pub. Yeah, or in a pub. Like, it's it's a bit less. It's a bit less. (laughs) Yeah. And then you all go out for beers after church. It's perfect. (laughs) But it's just a bit less threatening. So, what if we could actually intentionally, like, what if the long term strategy was always to meet in a public space, but then we could work towards having like a a facility or or like an office space or like a house right in the center of town where you can have offices, you can run courses, you can run ministries, like, you can have like a a gathering space in the middle. Um, You know, what what if you could do that? Like, Um, we know some friends of ours run with that model and it just works so well for them. So not wedded to that, but what if? So a few practicals. So firstly, 
um, up to this point, Jen and I have been, you know, leading worship, preaching, hosting, and that's been very intentional. One of the things that we've always led with, um, even back at Northridge, something we've, uh, uh, one of the principles we've always had is that when people first come to church, we want to give them two, three, four months to just settle in, come to church, get acquainted with the community and not have to do anything. Um, and some people find that really hard. And for some people, that's incredibly healing. But we always want to give people space to come and be a part of church for who they are, not what they can bring or not what they can give. And so we've kind of done that on mass with all of you. We've given you this chance to come and contribute a little bit, but very much just kind of led things. As we move towards meeting publicly, that's not going to continue to work. Um, and so we are going to be creating a little roster. You might have seen the link down the bottom, the link that doesn't work yet, but it will uh, at the bottom of the weekly email. Um, so we're going to get in touch with, um, with some of you this week, uh, about next week. So we're just going to work towards doing that, sharing the load around so everyone has a chance to contribute and participate in helping make church happen. And our hope is that that actually creates, rather than be becoming a burden, that we get the balance right so that it becomes a great way to create a sense of belonging. Um, the second thing is growth. Our, you know, our vision for this church is not to become a mega church. So having a thousand people on a Sunday is not our measure of success. Um, our best, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we if we start getting up in numbers, then we want to be planting and sending people as fast as we can. Um, so our dream is actually would actually be slow, sustainable growth. Uh, we've had prophetic words that say otherwise, which kind of freaks us out a little bit. But that's that's kind of our best case scenario. Um, but I want to ask you two questions. First of all, who in your world is spiritually homeless? Do you know anyone in your world who's spiritually homeless? And could you invite them to church? Um, could you invite them to church? Secondly, who is the person in your world who is the most open to Jesus? Or who is the person in your world who is in, most in need of Jesus? And could we serve them? Could we love on them? Um, we're going to do a series after Easter that I think will be really helpful in, in sort of thinking through together how to be a missional community, like a, a church on a mission. Um, So we're going to talk about that more then, but let me just leave you those two questions. Uh, Next up is giving. We don't ever want money to be a weird thing with church. And so like we did at Northridge, our goal is going to be to be as open and transparent about money as we can be without making it weird. Um, So our standing church, Northridge, has the people of Northridge have absolutely blessed our socks off in the way that they have um, given into the church. And so the reason that up to this point we've been really, you know, hands off with with worrying about, about finances, with worrying about giving is because we have this wonderful large startup fund given to us to resource us as a church. And so that's that's part of why it's been a bit of a, you know, and, and all these things we're buying, like we're, we're really grateful to Northridge for basically having given us all of that. Um, if you are at a point where you feel like you're committed to Toowoomba Vineyard Church um, and you're in a position to give, then this would be a great time to start. Um, this is when Jen and I have decided it's time to start. So um, we're going to be giving as well. Um, we've, our, our heart has always been as pastors that as if we expect everyone else to give or we invite everyone else to give, then we want to be doing that too. Even though the money comes from the, you know, that's it's just a principal thing. Um, how much should you give well that's up to you and that's up to the lord um 
In the Bible, the idea of a tithe or 10%, that's a precedent, but it's not necessarily a requirement. For some people, giving 10% would be way too much for your financial position. For others, 10% will be way too little. Um, but whatever the amount, one of the most helpful things practically is just whatever whatever you decide to give, if you do decide to give, um, that you just be consistent. Um, we always we always used to look uh, at the budgets at Northridge, and it was it was funny because there'd always be a big dip in uh, in January when everyone went on holidays and everyone forget to give or wouldn't be at church, and then there was always, there'd always be another uh, gap around September, kind of after the end of financial year thing. Um, so we just encouraged it to be um, consistent. Um, Jen and I won't look at the bank account and look at who's giving. So, uh, and that's that's not bad financial practice. What we do is we we work with our our money people on the board, um, and they give us they give us the numbers so we know what's coming in. We can budget. We can be smart with funds. Um, and then when we do need to know information, we t- we look at giving units rather than looking at individual people. Our heart is just that we wouldn't come to church and see see people and kind of think you know interact with them based on how much they're giving so that's just a practice that we have um and also uh we just want to say that um you know giving it's it's kind of how church becomes sustainable because the reality is as church grows it's more work and so there's more time required to be put into it right now jen and i are not taking a salary and that's really intentional so we're we're self-supporting right now with our other jobs um, but when we get to a point where we do actually need to to spend you know time out of our weeks, take time out of work in order to do church stuff, that's when we'll look at um, taking a salary. Um, but our plan is also long term to remain bivocational. We don't ever plan on becoming full time for church. That's just it's the model that we've we've seen work really well um, at Northridge, and we want to continue to do that. Um, next thing, Sundays. Um, we want to encourage you. Uh, as we don't ever want to be weird about like if you miss Sundays, if you miss two Sundays or three Sundays, we're never going to be the people who tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, leave it. We don't take a role. Like we're not tracking attendance or anything like that. And we won't do that in the future. Um, but it, it does also help. We just want to encourage you as much as possible to be consistent because when we're a small group, trying to get the momentum rolling for church. If there are a bunch of people away, you notice it a, a lot more than at a larger church. So, um, yeah, so we'll never be weird about it, but we do also want to encourage you to try and be consistent as much as possible. Um, and then the last practical is we want to encourage you to be open and flexible through this process. Um, it's likely that church planting will be a little bit of a wild ride, which is both fun and slightly terrifying. Jen and I have this uh, philosophy of ministry that everything is an experiment. Like whenever we start something, we go, we're just going to, we'll use this language a lot. Like you can laugh at us when we do it, but we always say, we're just going to give this thing a try and see how it goes. Like we always love to, to frame everything as an experiment. And the reality is in these early phases, we're just, we're going to do lots of experiments. They're not going to work and we're going to pull the pin. But I just, I think there's just a degree of flexibility that if we all agree now, we're not going to be bothered by it. It'll be fine. Um, but also, let's be open and flexible with each other. You know, one of the one of the most one of the things I think Jesus was really passionate about, and I've been reading in the the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking about reconciliation this week. You know, part of his desire for his church is that we would be people who'd be willing to stick it out with each other. 
you know, you don't, you don't kind of leave in a huff when there's a disagreement. Let's actually learn how to have hard conversations together. And we're very, Jen and I are very, very open. Um, if you need to have a hard conversation with us, if something isn't working, please come and talk to us. You know, we've been, we love hard conversations. We've, we've been doing this long enough. There's no hard conversation we haven't had as past. Maybe there is, may surprise us, but we've had, we've, we've done enough of them now that we're just, we're just used to it and we're not afraid of them. So please don't be afraid to bring hard conversations to us and let's learn how to do hard conversations with each other when we need to. Um, so that we can we can stick it out together. So they're the practicals. The final thing I want to do is I want to give us an invitation. So we've we've kind of done the pre-gathering phase, which is like let's kind of form a little community and, and see what happens. And God has done this. God has brought us together. And so the thing you do when you do a church plan is you get to the end of that initial phase and then you make an ask of the community. That's kind of like the, the thing you do, right? So that's what we're doing now. But I want to kind of blindside you a little bit with the ask. Because normally you say, okay, well, like if you're going to be part of the church plant, here's a little one pager. You know, you agree to come for the next 12 months. You agree to, you know, to give something. You agree to serve on one ministry. We're not going to ask you to do any of those things. Our ask for you as part of this church, and if this counts for you if you're listening on the podcast and you're away, our ask for you is simply to follow Jesus with everything you have. If you if you want to see the, if you want to be a part of this church, if you want to be part of this church plant and see it grow, the thing we are asking you to do is to follow Jesus with all of your heart. The whole point of what we're trying to do here, if you remember back a few weeks ago, we had those diagrams. That was every week, I know. But when we were talking about different church models, we had these diagrams and how normal, like the this, this standard model is like you have the pastor who leads the church and then the people serve the church that kind of, you know, supports the pastor. But we want to flip that upside down. We want to have a church that supports and empowers the people. That's our, that's our model of ministry is that, and which is kind of weird because the people are the church, right? And so somehow like we as the church have to support we as the, Anyway, but you, you get it, right? And so, and so the best thing that you can do if you want to see this church grow and thrive is to deeply invest in your own walk with Jesus. Commit to falling in love with him all over again. Discover the wonder and the mystery of scripture. Invite the Holy Spirit into your everyday, even if you're not seeing anyone. Build habits in your life. Build spiritual disciplines that will nourish your soul and commit to them. Resist the lies of the enemy when he tries to entice you away with the, uh, the things of the world that fill us up in the place of Jesus. Invest in others. Disciple them. Look for people in our church and in your world who you can invite into the joy of following Jesus. Worship God with everything you have when you're here on a Sunday and when you're at home by yourself and there's no one else in the room. Sing as loudly and as badly as you want. Dance uh, or by yourself. Paint. Be creative. Recognize the need to do Christian life in community. Capture Jesus' heart for his creation. Because the thing that will, the thing that will magnetize people to this church, that will make people want to come and stay more than anything else, is not having the best preaching is not having the best worship. It's not having services that start and finish on time, although that's helpful too. The thing that will 
the thing that will see people magnetized to this church that will see people transformed is is an authentic christian community is a community full of people who are the real deal and so that's if, if there's nothing else you do if you never serve if you never give we just ask you to commit to jesus with everything you have and i think everything will flow from that point i'm going to pray for us because i just made a joke about finishing on time Thanks, Lord, that you've brought us this far. Thanks for this wonderful, wonderful team of people that you've gathered from all over the place um, to come and be a part of this work. And, Lord, we just, you know, we talked about wind before, Lord. We just feel like the wind is blowing um, in this town. We feel like we've sort of caught something that you're already doing here. And so we just want to pray for more. We pray for more, Lord. Um, As we find our way in the dark, we want to pray that we would find our way together. We want to pray for the people that you're lining up to come and join this church next week, in three weeks, in in, in two months, in, in a year, in 10 years. Lord, we just want to pray that you just um, prepare the way. Um, and we just want to pray that you would crush the plans of the enemy um, against this church as well. So come and do whatever you want to do with us, Lord. We pray that your will be done on earth in Toowoomba as it is in heaven. Amen. All right, let's do it. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.